Good morning. Boy, it feels like it's been a long time since I've been here. I don't know why. It's only been a couple Sundays. Maybe it feels too short for you, but... <laughs> um, yeah, that's good to be back. Uh, appreciate your prayers for our granddaughter, Melissa, who is having surgery this week. Um, in fact, I'm going to be gone this week because of that. Uh, so appreciate your prayers for Melissa and for her mom and dad, for Amy and James as well, during this time. Um, this is great first aid for the soul, and I just encourage you to prayerfully consider people during this Christmas season that you can, somebody that may be, after you listen to it, of course you need to listen to it first so you know what you're giving, but um, uh, what a wonderful tool to be able to give something to someone that you really wanted to share Christ with but haven't maybe had an opportunity or this is a follow-up for what you've already done. So, you know, just extra plug on that. That's wonderful. Luke chapter 1 this morning, uh, verses 26 to 38. Um, this is the, <clears throat> the Mary Mary account of the Christmas story. And... Uh, Let me read it, starting in verse 26. This is the New Living Translation. In the sixth month of of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Father, this morning as we take a few minutes around this very familiar portion of Scripture today, I pray that your word would come to life to our hearts. And that your word would work strength, healing, power, grace, forgiveness, all that we need today. Thank you, Lord, the power of your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for this season. This time of year where we celebrate the birth of Christ. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of you probably know that Jesus was not born on December 25th, more than likely. It was probably May 20th from all the research that's been done about this. But uh, this was many, many, many years ago. This was chosen by church fathers as the day that we would remember his birth. And uh, so that's, that's why we do it this time of year. It's, it's time for us to remember his birth. And, and, and it's a wonderful season, isn't it? It's a wonderful time to remember the birth of Christ. Um, some of you like, how many like history? Oh, good. Some of you do. The rest of you will fall asleep for a few minutes, but I'll, I'll wake you up in a minute, okay? 
175 years before Jesus was born, Alexander the Great's empire um, at his death was split into five parts. Syria um, became the ruler of the area of Palestine, including Judea. A man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes came to the throne in Syria. That portion, that portion of the of the former uh, of Alexander the Great's empire. Um, and when he came to the throne in Syria, he began to savagely persecute the Jews. That was 175 years before Jesus was born. Um, and so, in the year 168 B.C., just seven years later, um, there started what was known as the Maccabean Revolt. And uh, a celebrated Jewish family by the name of the Maccabees, uh, the father, Matthias, was a priest. His two sons, Eliezer and John, joined with him and soon died in this revolution against the Syrian Empire and against Antiochus Epiphanes. Um, After they died, the other three sons, Judas, Jonathan, and Simon, succeeded each other in leading the insurrection against the government. A group of religious patriots joined them. They were freedom fighters, and they were known as Pharisees, separatists. So really, the Pharisees was a religious order that really started out as a military order uh, to fight um, in the Maccabee Revolution. Um, All of this led to 100 years of freedom for Israel. And so they they enjoyed 100 years, uh, celebrating 100 years of freedom freedom and independence. Um, But what happened is they were weakened by internal strife and power struggles, uh, which, of course, is a biblical principle. Every house divided against itself will fall. And, uh, and so Judea fell as easy prey to the Romans under Pompey in 63 B.C. Became a Roman province. Now it's 63 years before Jesus is born. Roman soldiers and tax collectors dominated the landscape of Judea, Herod, who was an Edomite um, of the lineage of Esau, was a close friend of Mark Antony and was named the king of Judea by the Roman Senate in 36 B.C. And he ruled Israel for 37 years. So he was King Herod I, who was was the king uh, when Jesus was born. Um, Herod was wealthy. He was politically gifted. He was intensely loyal to Rome. Uh, He was clever enough to remain in the good great graces of many successive emperors. He was known for his administrative abilities, for his building projects, for his famine relief, but also he was known for his love of power, his excessive taxation, and his fits of rage and cruelty and jealousy. In fact, he killed one of his wives, one of his wives, Mary Amney, and two of his sons because of his jealousy. And so this, this is the context. This is the atmosphere in which the Christmas story happens. And look, Luke 1 puts us into that context. It's now three months before Elizabeth, who was uh, a relative, a cousin of Mary, would give birth to who we knew, know now was going to be John the Baptist. And it's a marvelous story in its own right in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. But we're not going to tell that story this morning. That would have been last week's story. <laughs> um, but, but this week, we, we have this, this wonderful story of an angel coming to a young woman. The angel Gabriel. Gabriel means the mighty one. And he's one of two angels that are mentioned in the scripture. Uh, Gabriel and the other is... Michael, 
Okay, Michael is more known in the Bible as a warring angel, whereas Gabriel seems to be the messenger angel. We see him four times in Scripture. Daniel chapter 8, verse 16. Daniel 9, verse 21. Those are the two times that the angel Gabriel is mentioned speaking directly to Daniel. And then Luke chapter 1, verses 11 19, we see him speaking to Zacharias concerning uh, his son-to-be, John the Baptist. And then Luke chapter 1, verse 26, now we see him coming to Mary. And um, the scriptures here says that Gabriel was sent by God to Nazareth. And, and, and um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 4 uh, brings reference to, to this. Um, um, it says in verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Gal- uh, Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, thus fulfilled what God had said through the prophet Isaiah in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali beside the sea beyond the Jordan River in Galilee where so many Gentiles lived. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who live in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. That's a, that's a prophetic verse from Isaiah chapter 9. And Matthew 4 makes reference to this area of Zebulun, which was the territory of Nazareth. Joseph, jo, Josephus lists 45 of the top cities and towns um, in Judea. Nazareth is not one of them. The Talmud lists 63 cities and towns in Galilee, but Nazareth is not listed. Nazareth was not an ancient city with a grand heritage. Um, It was not a commercial center. It was not an educational center. It was this town of probably 15,000 people at this side, uh, on the hillside of Lower Galilee at about 1,100 feet, halfway between uh, Jerusalem and Tyre. It was 80 miles basically from each city. And, and so 80 miles from Jerusalem. So when you think of, 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 of uh, and, and Bethlehem of course was a, was a suburb of Jerusalem. So when you think of, of, of Mary and Joseph leaving Beth, um, Nazareth and going to Bethlehem, this was not a short jaunt just uh, a few blocks down the road, you're talking 80 miles traveling basically by foot. And, and, and so quite a, quite a journey. Nazareth was a stopping, stopping off point for soldiers and for merchants between Jerusalem and Tyre. Um, and it seemed to have a town of, it seemed to be a town of reputation. It seemed to be kind of this tough little town. John chapter 1 verse 46, we see Nathaniel exclaiming concerning Jesus who had come from Nazareth. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so here, uh, here Gabriel is sent to this nothing town, really. This town that had no great reputation. It had maybe a little bad reputation, but it had, had no great reputation. It was really a town of no essence. There had been 400 years of silence and God had spoken to Malachi. Can you imagine? 400 years and God had not spoken. And now God speaks through Gabriel. It's an amazing moment just for that alone that God would speak. And here God begins to speak and God begins to move and, and, the, and the New Testament begins to put some pieces together and Galatians chapter 4 calls this the fullness of time. Time that has has run to its fullness. It's, it's, it's a picture of a of a glass that is is filled to the rim and overflowing. And and so time has reached its fullness. God had been waiting for this since Adam had been born or 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 had been created. Since Adam and Eve had sinned, God had been waiting for this moment. And in fact. Because of his omniscience, God had been waiting all of eternity past for this moment. It's an amazing moment. In fact, Matthew chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, when it refers 
to the birth of Jesus. It's an interesting reference that Matthew chapter 1 makes because it speaks of the sovereignty of God here and it speaks of a time that God had chosen uniquely. Fourteen generations from Abram to David. Fourteen generations from David to Babylon. Fourteen generations from Babylon to the Messiah. And so this was not just some uh, uh, time uh, just picked out of the air or picked out of a hat but rather, it was God's chosen moment, the fullness of time. The book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 17, verse 26, says this, From one man He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and He determined their boundaries. Aren't you glad for the sovereignty of God? Aren't you glad in a world where all kinds of stuff is is happening in a world that we have little control over. And even even moving beyond polit- politics and world governments down to your own personal life, there are areas in your life, how many recognize there's areas in your life that you have no control over right now? Huh? Yeah, me too. No control. No control. And so we turn to God and we say, help God. <laughs> right? Help God. <laughs> We look to you, God. There is nothing in ourself, but we have faith and confidence in a God who created the universe, in a God who spoke it all into being, in a God who said 14 generations, 14 generations, 14 generations, in the fullness of time, I will send my Son. And the same God who said that is concerned about your life. It's wonderful. Wonderful. It's powerful. Praise God. And I'm grateful for that. Now, who was Gabriel sent to in Nazareth? And, and the whole issue of angels. That's, a, that's another whole wonderful message, you know. And, and the book of Hebrews talks about don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some have done this and have entertained angels without realizing. I wonder, wonder how many times you've you've actually encountered an angel. I wonder how many times I have. I have no idea. Is it possible? How many think it's possible? Yeah. 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 I might have actually met one on the bus, James. You know, you never know. You know? And, 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 and I'm sure they, I'm, I'm sure when they connect with us, it's, they come incognito, you know? <laughs> How many know they don't look like, they don't have wings and, you know, bright countenance or, you know? Yeah. Okay. Matthew 18 talks about angels and children and how that the angels of children aren't looking at children, they're looking at the Father. <laughs> Isn't that great? They're saying, God, what do you want me to do? This little one, holding on for that for my little Melissa. She has surgery this week. Praise God. Okay, so so Gabriel is sent to Mary, or Maria, or Miriam. That's the Hebrew versions of that. And and Luke chapter one and verse twenty seven tells us that she was a virgin, a Parthenos, uh, a maiden, uh, unmarried daughter, uh, old enough to get married in that context in that generation, probably 14 to 17, very young probably, young lady. Um, Isaiah chapter 7 prophetically speaks about a virgin giving birth. Isaiah 7 verses 13 and 14, wonderful portion of scripture there. Uh, prophetic fulfillment hundreds of years before God speaks. This is was, was going to happen. And, and, and so Luke 1 talks about her not only being a virgin, but that she was betrothed. Or that she was engaged, and uh, uh, Jewish engagement was a was considered a, a legally binding engagement. A dowry is already paid. Um, acceptance acceptance of the acceptance of marriage terms have already been accepted before witnesses. Uh, the engagement is a period of one year. A letter of divorcement is required to break this engagement. Adultery is treated the same as with marriage. And so the scripture makes clear here 
that, that God chooses to speak to and reveal Himself to an ordinary young lady in an ordinary town. An ordinary young lady in an ordinary town. God spoke to her through an angel. And the wonderful thing is, is that first of all, she had an ear to hear. She had an ear to hear. My son Ben sent me this the other day. I thought it was kind of fitting, kind of interesting. This isn't a Christian statement, but it, 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 it kind of gives us a picture here. Two men were walking along crowded sidewalk in a downtown business area. Suddenly one exclaimed, listen to the lovely sound of that cricket. But the other could not hear. He asked his companion how how he could detect the sound of a cricket amidst the din of people and traffic. The first man, who was a zoologist, has trained himself to listen to the voices of nature, but he did not explain. He simply took a coin out of his pocket and dropped it on the sidewalk, whereupon a dozen people began to look about them. We hear, he said, what we listen for. What are you listening for? (laughs) What are you listening for? So significant for us to have an ear to hear. Somehow, she didn't say, this couldn't be happening. I'm going to shut this out and I'm going to walk away. She had an ear to hear and an eye to see. I pray that you will not miss the voice of God during this season. We get so busy, don't we? Run, 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 run. You know, how many are done Christmas shopping? Raise your hand. You're done. You are done. Oh my, only about two or three of you. All right. I think we're done. You know, how many got your tree up? Okay, you're partway there. All right. So, you know, but we get so busy, don't we? Huh? Life, life gets busy at this. But, but how important it is that we have an ear to hear. Maybe God will speak to you through an angel. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Huh? <laughs> Maybe He'll just speak to you by His Holy Spirit. But here, here, the Holy Spirit through this angelic individual called Gabriel speaks to Mary, this ordinary young woman in an ordinary town. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the ordinariness of all of this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Nobody can. And so that that follows here. huh? That, That fits God's picture. God uses ordinary people. Aren't you glad that God speaks to and uses ordinary people? He's not looking for the excellent. He's not looking for the powerful. He's not looking for the strong. He's not looking for the intelligent. He's, he's just looking for common people who will choose to be used by God. Hallelujah. I mean, he says, that fits, I, I, I can fit that. I can fit that. You know, some of us may say, well, you know, if God's only looking for the extremely intelligent, maybe, you know, it doesn't fit me. But, but we can all fit this. We can all fit this. And so God comes to an ordinary young lady to be the recipient of His grace. She was of the lineage of David, as the Scripture makes clear. And we're not going to take time to read it this morning for time's sake, but, but Genesis 49, 8-10, Micah 5-2, Revelation, oh, come on, let's read them. My goodness, these are too good. This is too, listen, listen to this. Genesis 49, all the way back in Genesis. Judah, your brothers will praise you you will grasp your enemies by the neck. Your, all your relatives will down, 
will, will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating his prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? Listen, prophetic. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. <laughs> all the way back to the book of Genesis. My goodness, isn't that amazing? And then, and then uh, Micah, Micah chapter, chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. And then the book of Revelation, chapter 5. Verses 4 and 5. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look! Listen to this. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. (laughs) Not just God's son. Not just that one that was born in Bethlehem, but but the lion of the tribe of Judah has won the victory. Praise God. So, you know, sometimes we overlook some of these things, but they're significant and they're important and they're all a part of this. So, so Gabriel says a number of things to Mary. Rejoice, highly favored one. That's a beautiful statement. An expression of grace, unmerited favor, grace, chooses village girls and carpenter boys. Maybe I'll be back for next Sunday and, 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 and maybe we'll speak about carpenter boys next Sunday. Not that she would, not, not that Mary would, would be one who would confer grace, as some would say, but that she would be the recipient of grace. It's totally different. Gabriel says, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Isn't that great? The Lord is with you. Praise God. How comforting that is. What, what, what peace that brings to our hearts. Hmm? He will never leave you nor abandon you, forsake you, run from you. Never. Never. Hebrews 13.5 All that she would experience she would experience in the presence of God. Some of it wasn't going to be very pretty. In times of darkness, in times of deep need, the Lord is with you. When things don't make sense, the Lord is with you. When we are confused, when we are wrongly judged, when things happen that we aren't expecting, the Lord is with you. Will you take that this morning? As the gift of grace, the Lord is with you. How many will receive that this morning? The Lord is with you. Will you say that with me this morning? The Lord is with you. Look at someone today and say it. The Lord is with you. It's wonderful. It's the Christmas message. The Lord was with Mary. The Lord is with us. King James Version includes, Here, blessed are you among women. Well, many other translations don't include it there. But every translation includes it in chapter 1, verse 42, when Elizabeth prophesies and says those very words, Blessed are you among women. Now, we believe wholeheartedly in the virgin birth, but we don't believe in immaculate conception. That's different. Immaculate conception is a theology that says that Mary was preserved from original sin, and uh, that was why the virgin birth occurred through her. We do not believe in immaculate conception. We believe that Mary was just like you and I, and God chose 
that she take upon her himself natural human flesh like us. Yet without sin. He was yet without sin. <laughs> Not Mary. <laughs> there is a distinction here. But she is clearly blessed, and that is a that is a that is a, uh, a where we get the word eulogy actually to speak well of someone. When you have a funeral, you have a eulogy. What are you doing? You're speaking well of that particular person. And here, Jesus, uh, excuse me, uh, the angel Gabriel is saying that uh, through through this whole situation with Mary that God is speaking well of her. I want you to understand something. This started out for Mary just like any other day. She got up one morning and, uh, you know, wasn't that beautiful this morning? Early this morning, sun comes up over the snow. I miss that in Seattle. We don't have that, you know. We lived in the Midwest for so many years that getting up in the, in, uh, in the early morning and seeing the sun rise over the snow is just such a beautiful sight. Um, but it was just a regular day. It wasn't anything special. I, I don't think there's anything in Scripture that, that says that she had warning or preparation or, or premonition. How many have ever been surprised by God? I think God just sometimes just says, I'm going to surprise you. All right? I think she was absorbed with counting the days to when she would be married. How many remember those that period of engagement. How many were engaged about a year? Engaged about a year? Okay, so you can relate to Mary. She was engaged about a year. And we're not really sure how far along she was in the process, but it doesn't make any difference. When you're engaged and you're looking forward to marriage, you're counting the days. Well, that's what she was doing. She was absorbed with that, the fact of starting a family and, and living with her new husband and, and uh, this, this, this young guy who, who was a carpenter and, and, and by the way, a carpenter uh, was, a, was a good job back then. I mean, he, he made a lot of stuff. And, 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 he, and, and he had a lot of job security because of, because of, of the need for people like that. But, but no warning. How would you respond to Gabriel? Probably like Mary. Mary respond with confusion. She was disturbed. She was troubled. She was agitated. This was not an ecstatic moment. Okay? Get it straight. Mary is not, Oh, hallelujah! Here's Gabriel! No. She is scared, spitless. She doesn't know how to respond to this. She, 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 she is just... You know, struggling with the, this whole thing. And the scripture says that she's trying to make sense out of this. She's deliber- She's deliberating this. She, she's thoroughly reasoning this. This tells me that, that Mary was probably a black and white person that was, that was given to, to thinking th- things through. And, and, and she needed... How many of you women need to think things through? Yeah. Some of you... Are, are strongly emotional, but some of you, you know, as well, are, are, are thinkers and, you, and, you, and it has to make sense to you before you can grab a hold of it. I think Mary was that kind of a person. And she was, she was disturbed, yes. She was emotional, yes. But she was also thinking. <laughs> and she was saying, what's going on here? What is this? Why is the angel Gabriel coming to me like this now? And, and in the midst of this, Gabriel says, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Why? Because you have found favor with God. Hallelujah. And, and, and in the midst of, of things that you cannot control, in the midst of life going sideways, in the midst of things that, that even God may be speaking to you that don't make sense to you, what, what, what gives you stability and anchor in the midst of that is knowing that we have favor with God. Nothing else will give you that. You can grab all kinds of stuff, you know, but, but it doesn't help and it doesn't give strength, but the favor of God. Favor, what is that? Grace. Undeserved. Okay? Not because we're good, you know. This isn't Santa Claus, all right? And we'll give good things to good children. 
right? This is the favor of God. This is God giving his favor, unmerited favor, saying, I'm going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. Hallelujah. The favor of God. Hallelujah. And, and if you read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, you'll see that whole context of, of that the favor of God is given in the context of joy. God doesn't say, oh, i got to do this. What a rotten thing. Well, yeah, Carol, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. No, no, it's not that way at all. It's just the opposite. God, when he gives us his unmerited favor, he does it with great rejoicing, with great happiness, with great joy. Isn't that wonderful? And so that's how God is responding here. So Gabriel begins to lay out the details. And let me tell you, Mary's head is spinning. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David. He will reign forever. His kingdom will be will, will, will have no end. And if you are a Jewish girl, you know exactly what Gabriel is talking about. You're not saying, I wonder what this is all about. You know exactly this is Messiah. This is the one who is to come. Okay? This is what every Jewish girl, uh, as she grew up, uh, she, she had that secret little desire in her heart, God, maybe, maybe it will be through me that the Messiah will come. But there was a problem. And she raises the question in verse 34, How in the world can this happen? Now, she probably thought, as she said that question, I would have, I would think she would have thought this. Well, okay, all right, all right, all right. I can accept that. Maybe God is giving me a prophetic word that will happen after Joseph and I are married, and he's just telling me this is going to happen. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, she probably thought that initially. Thought, well, maybe this is what God is saying. <laughs> No, that wasn't what God was saying at all. But I want you to understand that this was not an expression of doubt, but an expression of clarification. Whereas Zacharias, the son of John the Baptist, if you read Luke 1, verses 18 to 20, you'll, you'll see that, he, that, that actually Gabriel actually you know, uh, confronts Zacharias you know, and says that, that, that he was not responding in faith. He, he doesn't do that to Mary. Because Mary is just asking questions. You know, she's this logical woman who's simply asking questions and say, I don't really understand how this can happen. I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. How can this happen? And so, in verse 35, we have one of the deepest and holiest of miracles that we already made reference to concerning Isaiah chapter 7. Probably 600 years previous, Isaiah uh, um, refers to this event. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Isn't that a beautiful term? And isn't it interesting? It, uh, I just I thought of this as I was preparing this message. I'd never thought of it before. But isn't it interesting? It's the same word that's spoken concerning you and I, when we experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. That's the same, 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 just over and over and over in the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. Isn't that beautiful? And, 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 and here, the same power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary in this context. Okay? The power of the Most High will overshadow you the baby will be holy, will be called the Son of God. So there it is. Joseph, nor any other man, will be involved. This is going to be a miracle. And that's why 1 Timothy 3.16 says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. That Christ was revealed in a human body. The great mystery. Great mystery. Colossians 2, verse 9, For in Christ lives all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Amazing. Think of it. God himself. The Word 
the first and the last, the Almighty, the creator of all things, co-equal with the Father, humbles himself so powerfully, so beautifully. Philippians 2 says this, though he was God, he did not, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that really is what Christmas is all about, is bowing before Jesus Christ, recognizing who he is. What a picture. Think of it. The light of the world squinting. Get a mind picture of that. The light of the world squinting. The creator of all things needing Mary to hold his head. It's an amazing picture. A good friend of mine, George Thomas, his son wrote this some years ago. Most mind-boggling miracle of all this. God, the creator of the cosmos, the Alpha and the Omega, he who always was and forever would be, God himself became one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. A simple ramshackle stable had someone inside of it who was bigger than our whole world. It blows our minds away because we cannot even begin to fathom the depths of the incarnation. At the heart of the mystery is the pivotal moment when God stepped through the portal of eternity, put on flesh, and left his world for ours. Creation was certainly a wonder, but it pales in comparison to the true miracle, the Creator becoming the creature. It could not be, and yet it was. It could not happen, but it did. The array of of twinkling Christmas lights has clouded our vision of the Christ child. The ringing of silver bells has deafened our hearts to the awe of the miracle. We chase Him only to find ourselves tripping over our own tinsel. Have we grown so familiar with the Christmas story that the lights and the decorations hold more wonder for us than the manger? Can I put aside all of my obligations and my responsibilities long enough to to rediscover my long lost, innocent trust in the greatest miracle of all time. God help us. Verse 37, Gabriel's parting words are this, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And I'm, I'm, I'm done here. I know I've been long this morning. I don't apologize because I just really felt like I needed to unpack this today. Maybe you're here today. And you need a miracle. God is saying to you, through this message this morning that with God nothing is impossible. If you need a miracle today, I want you just to stand as an expression of faith. You're here today, you need a miracle. In, at some level, I'm, I'm not going to ask I'm not going to ask you to for it. I'm not doing any, anything like that. I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about you or anything else. But if you need a miracle today, just stand up right now. Come on. Come on, just stand up. You need a miracle. In your life, your family, Whatever it may be, you need a miracle today. Would you say with me, nothing is impossible with God. Say it again from your heart. 
Nothing is impossible with God. Say it again. Lord, we lay a hold of that this morning. You see us stand in your presence today saying we need a miracle. We need your intervention. There is stuff in our life that is beyond us, that is beyond our control, that is beyond our making sense or making things happen. And so we come to you this morning and we acknowledge before you in the midst of this Christmas story that nothing is impossible with you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Lift your voice in praise! Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. We acknowledge in darkness. We acknowledge in confusion. We acknowledge in sickness. We acknowledge in great need. Nothing is impossible with you. Hallelujah. 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 In the midst of our questions and challenges and difficulties today, Lord, we find, as Mary found, we find hope. 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 (laughs) Nothing is impossible to you. Now lift your hands and praise to the Lord. Will you do that? Just begin to thank Him before you see anything happen. Lord, today we acknowledge that nothing is impossible to you today, Lord. We acknowledge that you are great and you are greater in all of our need. Hallelujah. As you were with Mary, you will be with us. Your favor rests upon us, even it rests upon Mary. The Holy Spirit is upon us, even as the Holy Spirit was upon Mary. And we claim all of that this morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We look to you with confidence and with trust and with assurance. You may be seated. Hallelujah. As I wrap this, Mary's response is just really clear this morning. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come to truth. See, she responds with true surrender, with her ears and eyes wide open. The risk was great. Disgrace, absolutely. Divorce, more than likely. The potential of danger, faced her head on the possibility possibility even of death. Who would, who could believe, especially Joseph? The will of God, so beautiful, so supernatural, still came at great human cost. It was public, it was costly, and it was final. In fact, historical records still list Jesus' birth as illegitimate. But Mary stands radiant. <laughs> I am the Lord's servant. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost is, I am the Lord's servant. Jim Elliot, many years ago before he died, the hands of the Aka Indians said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I am the Lord's servant. Would you just whisper that to the Lord this morning? I am the Lord's servant. We don't know what all of that means. But Lord, we say that to you. Here we are. We are the Lord's servant. We yield everything to you in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As we close the service today,
for you this morning. You may be coming today here with great need or great rejoicing. Just thankfulness of heart. But at any case this morning, as uh, the worship team leads us in worship this morning, as we close this service, Maybe you just need to come and kneel before the Lord. If you need personal prayer, come and stand and people will pray for you. We have wonderful people prepared to pray every Sunday here in this house. It's a little bit unique. I'm all over the country in many different churches every Sunday except for when I'm here. And uh, this, this church has a unique, prepared group of people who know how to pray. And uh, if you need prayer, just come and stand. They'll pray for you. If you want to just come and just kneel, because it's just between you and God, just, just kneel and they'll know this isn't for them to come pray for you. This is between you and the Lord this morning. Maybe there's something that you need to yield to the Lord of saying, I am the Lord's servant. Maybe for you it's just proclaiming again in your heart that God's power is available to you this morning. Even as it was to Mary. Father, this morning as we close this service, we do so with a sense of gratefulness for the grace of God. We pray for anyone within the sound of my voice today who is living outside of fellowship, context, relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, would they come this morning? Would you draw them to yourself today? Would you cause them to come and receive your cleansing, your forgiveness, your grace? At the foot of the cross, your grace is available for them this morning to receive all they need. Maybe there's believers here today and you've got issues of secret sin and the Holy Spirit is saying come and receive forgiveness. Come. Come. You don't have to share that with anyone. You can come and kneel and just receive the grace of God today. Lord, we just pray blessing upon your people this morning. And I I pray that, Lord, as we walk through our week, the, the merry message would continue to come back to give us grace and strength and encouragement and blessing all during this week. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So as we close, this is our benediction, our song, our worship to the Lord. If you want prayer, comfort prayer, if you want to just come as an expression of personal surrender to the Lord, come and kneel before Him. God bless you. If you want to just stand or sit in the presence of God, feel free to do that too. You're dismissed when you're ready to go. God bless you.